A window of time opened in Gaza that resembled something close to calm. Majid al-Ansari, advisor to the Prime Minister of Qatar and official spokesperson for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, made this announcement. We have just uh, finished with all the communication with all uh, parties in order to ascertain the lists of uh, those civilians who will be uh, freed as a result of the deal agreed upon by, uh, by both parties. The uh, lists have been handed to both sides and finally uh, in a communication just now the list has been handed to the uh, Israeli intelligence service, the, uh, the Mossad, in order to facilitate the implementation of, uh, of the deal. The, according to this, of course, and be, uh, as, uh, as the agreement uh, took place, uh, the beginning of the pause will be 7 a.m. Friday, the 24th of November, and it will last, of course, as agreed, for four uh, days. With and, over uh, 15,000 killed, a pause in the Israeli bombardment was desperately needed. Also needed, the release of civilians held by both sides. This week, who has been released? And how has the release of Palestinians been decided and managed? My name is Hugo Goodrich, and you're listening to The New Arab Voice. A pause was agreed last week and came into effect on Friday, the 24th. The pause came as a result of a deal brokered by the US and Qatar. Hamas would release hostages, Israel would release prisoners from its jails, aid deliveries would be permitted to enter Gaza. The delivery of aid was vital. On November 24th, a spokesperson for the UN's OCHA organisation addressed reporters. Uh, yesterday, we had 80 trucks uh, with humanitarian relief uh, that crossed the border. Uh, there was some 68,000 litres of fuel in addition to the, to the 80 trucks uh, with relief. We have said consistently that we need access across uh, the Gaza Strip, especially in the north. That's where the damage and the humanitarian needs are the greatest. So we continue to call for access uh, to reach all parts of Gaza. I think what is uh, critical in terms of helping people who are under rubble, as we see in other situ situations, uh, is to have fuel available for any machinery that is um, in place already to be able to run. Secondly, to get people who have crush injuries and other types of, 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 of problems, uh, having been uh, in such a situation, that they get medical care. News that aid, however much or little it was to be, would be delivered, was welcomed by Palestinians in Gaza, who have endured so much since October 7th. I think that these days, which they call a truce, are necessary in order to heal wounds and organize the people's situation on a humanitarian and economical level. The displaced from north in Gaza City are facing very difficult times. We cannot find words for this in the humanitarian dictionary. In addition to the delivery of aid, there was a genuine sense of relief that the days would, for the time being, not be filled with bombing and violence. 
It's temporary to let people do their things. For a bit of calmness and relaxation from the chaos and destruction, it's a psychological and physical rest for men, children, women and elderly people. With news of a pause, I spoke with Sally Ibrahim, the new Arabs correspondent in Gaza. I asked her how people are feeling about the pause and if they were confident that it could hold. Sally sent us this response via WhatsApp from a hospital, thankfully not due to injury, but because it remains one of the few places that still has an internet connection. The Palestinians here in the coastal enclave are looking forward to extend more and more of the humanitarian ceasefire reached between the Islamic Hamas movement and the Israeli army in the coastal enclave after long weeks of a bloody conflict between the two sides, which left more than 20,000 of people. All, most of them were children and women as they were inside their houses when the Israeli airstrikes attacked their houses. They are looking to reach a full truce between the two sides that will put an end for uh, the bloody conflict and they can have the ability to come back to their to the Gaza city and to inspect their devastation and uh, their destructed uh, houses. In addition, they can rearrange their lives uh, based on the new uh, dire situation that they are living under, uh, under it. As said before, is are overcome uh, overcoming uh, the situation here in Gaza um, because uh, the people uh, also they fear uh, of uh, continuing the conflict between Hamas and Israel, which means uh, that maybe we will uh, witness more of massacres issued by the Israeli army. Sally is still reporting for the New Arab. You can find her work on our website, but also in a very real sense. Sally is part of the story. A resident of Gaza City, Sally and her family are now refugees in the south of the Gaza Strip. And uh, the fighting uh, is both between Hamas and Israel. I haven't had any opportunity to see my damage, mainly because we displaced from the Gaza City into Rafah City, which means that we are now prevented from coming back to the Gaza City. But according to my uh, colleagues in uh, the Gaza City, uh, my house has uh, has been destroyed by the Israeli army. In addition, all our neighborhood. Tal al-Hawa also was uh, completely destroyed by the Israeli army, which means that uh, we will not be able to come back to our houses, neither uh, nor uh, to return our uh, our life once again inside the Gaza city. Uh, we don't know what we what, we, what will be happening for us, uh, even when the Israel and uh, the Hamas movement reach uh, their uh, final uh, truth in the coastal enclave, uh, which means that we became displaced people mostly for maybe six or maybe for uh, a year uh, as we have uh, to rebuild our house once, uh, once again. While Sally and her family have been unable to travel north to inspect the damage for themselves, others have. The scenes that have greeted them are beyond horror. This was one resident of Jabalia. The Sheikh Zayed towers have been completely destroyed. Gaza city has been completely destroyed. What can I tell you? 
Even if you find a single intact house in the midst of this destruction, you say it is all destroyed because its inhabitants are now displaced, so it becomes a ghost house, just like the destroyed houses. I don't know what to tell you. This area here was inhabited by my children. My two children lived here. Now their house is underground. They have been displaced. I used to live in that area. My house was destroyed too. As the people of Gaza started to collect themselves and what remains of their lives, the busy work of hostage diplomacy began almost immediately. The first batch of hostages held by Hamas were released on the evening of Friday, October 24th. With their release, a spokesperson for the Israeli army gave a statement. The sight of those who have safely crossed the border into Israel evokes a profound sense of relief. Yet, our hearts remain with the hostages still held in Gaza. Tonight, we embrace the families of the hostages, keeping them constantly in our thoughts. It is our moral obligation to ensure the safe return of everyone home. We are only at the beginning of this process. We are preparing to continue implementing the plan for the return of the abductees. The days ahead will present complexities. Nothing is certain until it is accomplished. We must be prepared. Those that were released were checked by medical professionals and deemed to be medically well. The director of the Shamir Medical Center said this on November 25th. Tonight at 11 p.m., we received 11, 10 men and one woman, owners of the hostages that were released from captivity. Following initial medical assessment, they're in good condition and seem very happy to finally be at a safe place and are grateful for all the care and the attention they're receiving from everyone here. Over the next week, the ceasefire would continue to hold. There were some reports of flashes of violence, but nothing on the scale seen in recent weeks. The ceasefire was initially agreed to last four days, but further diplomacy saw this extended, first by one day and then another and then once more. Since the 24th, 110 of the hostages have been released. The majority of those released have been the elderly, women and children. As part of the agreement, Israel said that the ceasefire can continue for one extra day for every 10 more hostages that are released by Hamas. On the other side, Palestinians were released from Israeli prisons. As with the hostages held by Hamas, this happened from October 24th. One of the first to be released was 23-year-old Fatima Shaheen. It's an indescribable feeling to meet my family and the people that love me. I'm really happy I was in the deal. Of course, I salute the resistance that got me out and wish the same for the rest of the prisoners. But at the same time, my joy is incomplete because of our martyrs in Gaza. May God have mercy on them. Among the, uh, those released are 48 women. Four of them were held under administrative detention and the rest are children from the occupied West Bank and Jerusalem, including 12 children who were held under administrative detention. Adamir is an NGO that advocates for prisoners held by Israel, offers free legal aid, and works to end torture and other violations of prisoners' rights through monitoring legal procedures and solidarity campaigns. Dala Nasir is a lawyer for the group who has been monitoring the releases carefully. Uh, so their demographics, they are from the West Bank and Jerusalem, like from everywhere. We're talking about Hebron, Ramallah, Jerusalem, uh, 
everywhere. Many of those released have been held by Israel in something called administrative detention. Yes, so administrative detention is uh, a policy which the Israeli occupation uses against Palestinians. It's when uh, the Palestinian is held without a charge, without a trial, indefinitely and based on a secret file. So it's an arbitrary detention. Right now, they, we're talking about 2,500 uh, 2, Palestinians are being held under administrative detention until this day. In certain cases, arbitrary detention can be considered a war crime, see Article 8 of the Rome Statute, a crime against humanity, see Article 7 of the Rome Statute, or a crime of genocide. With the deal, the charges against the prisoners have been dropped. However, there are fears that might not be the end of their story. The charges are dropped, uh, the sentences are now uh, uh, not applicable. But actually, of course, we are afraid that uh, the Israeli occupation will re-arrest the released prisoners, just like they did with the, the previous exchange deal, the Shalit one. They actually re-arrested uh, a number of Palestinian released prisoners. So that's what we are afraid of at the moment. There is not only a fear that the Palestinians who have been released could be re-arrested, but there is also serious concern about the rising rates of arrest in the West Bank and East Jerusalem that have happened since the October 7th attacks. Uh, right now and after the 7th of October, we're talking about more than 3,290 detainees are being uh, detained after the 7th of October. And within the, the beginning of the truce, in the past five days, more than 200 Palestinians were detained. So it's uh, uh, actually more than the number of released prisoners within this exchange deal. In the first four days of the truce, 150 Palestinians were released, 117 children and 33 women. During the same period, Israel arrested 133 Palestinians. On December 1st, the Commission of Detainees Affairs and the Palestinian Prisoners Club reported that 3,400 people have been arrested since October 7th. Hamza al-Khwazmi from Hebron was one of those arrested. We woke up and found them inside our house. They gathered us in the living room and they took my father to check the car. They checked my ID and told me I was under arrest. They put me in the jeep. In the beginning, in front of my family, they didn't beat me, but the assault started when they put me in the jeep. And as the arrest rate has increased since October 7th, the conditions inside Israeli prisons have deteriorated. They are uh, giving testimonies to the media, actually. We, uh, we heard a lot of uh, severe and extensive violations uh, and we've do uh, these documentation, uh, these the violations we have documented uh, all over the month. It's actually uh, really extensive, including uh, the violent raids by Israeli special forces to the uh, prisons, firing tear gas, beating prisoners. Uh, in addition to the ban of uh, the family visits, restrictions on lawyers' visits, uh, prohibiting access to medical care, cutting off electricity in several prisons, uh, transferring number of prisoners to isolation. So all of these uh, punitive measures, uh, the released prisoners' testimonies confirm all the harsh retaliatory and punitive measures enacted by the Israeli occupation. Uh, actually, one important thing uh, we have to shed light on is 
uh, within less than a month, six Palestinian prisoners were killed inside Israeli prisons. Four of them were arrested after the 7th of October. And until now, we don't know uh, the circumstances of their death. But testimonies of prisoners and released prisoners affirm that they have been brutally and uh, uh, harshly beaten, denied medical care. Yasmin Shaban, one of the released prisoners, described to reporters her treatment in prison. Personally, they hit me on the legs and hands, and my fingers is broken. They gassed us and told us we'd be sorry. Of course, we'll never regret it. They beat the girls. They came in every day and stopped us from eating. Their policy was to starve us, make us thirsty and hit us. Ruba Asi, also recently released, gave her account as well. The conditions in jail were very harsh. All the privileges that the prisoners had thanks to the resistance were halted. The prison became just iron gates. Sometimes they wouldn't provide sufficient food portions for prisoners. At some point, we were 70 to 80 prisoners where four of us would be sleeping on the floor with three mattresses. We were seven or eight in a cell, which merely fits three inmates. The release of hostages held by Hamas is, of course, a welcome development. Those Israelis should not be unlawfully held any more than the Palestinians arbitrarily detained by Israel should be held. With their release has come much celebration. But when it comes to the release of Palestinians, particularly in East Jerusalem, celebrations have been repressed. Far-right extremist and National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Gavir warned, quote, My instructions are clear. There are to be no expressions of joy. Expressions of joy are equivalent to backing terrorism. Victory celebrations give backing to those human scum, for those Nazis, end quote. Similarly, Police Commissioner Kobi Shabtai promised to use a, quote, iron fist against Palestinian celebrating. Talan Nasir again. Regarding the West Bank, uh, actually, the Israeli forces assaulted the prisoners and their families during the prison release operations. Uh, they delayed the release of prisoners until late at night. Uh, they released the child prisoners wearing clothes that, did, uh, that are too big for their size. Uh, some of them were barefoot also. Uh, the clothes did not provide adequate protection from the cold weather. Uh, the forces also used sound bombs and gas bombs, rubber bullets and live ammunition in front of Hawthorne prison where families were gathered awaiting the release of their loved ones. Uh, regarding Jerusalem, the Israeli forces raided the homes of the prisoners before the release, uh, uh, preventing them from any signs of celebration upon reuniting with their uh, sons and daughters. Uh, the families were also summoned to Al-Maskubiyya Integration Center, where they were subjected to arbitrary conditions that prohibited them uh, from gathering, banned marches and fireworks, prevented chanting slogans, and prevented the, uh, the dissemination of sweets uh, and all that. Uh, the Israeli forces also assaulted journalists who were present at the houses uh, of the detainees. They physically assaulted them and expelled them and prohibited them from media coverage. Lama Khaita described the threats she faced before her release. The Israeli officer told me literally, you are forbidden to write even a single letter on Facebook or Twitter, and we are looking forward to re-arrest you. He even said you will be the first prisoner to be re-arrested after the swap deal. I asked him, is that part of the swap deal terms? 
He answered back, there are no terms. Maybe you were lucky to be released thanks to the deal, but we can arrest you again at any time and the sentence will be harsher. With the pause in the fighting, Palestinians living in Gaza have been able to collect themselves, try to account for their loved ones, dead, missing or injured. With any luck, they've been able to get some food and water and gather some supplies. For those that haven't been able to do that, it's now too late. On the morning of Friday, December 1st, Israel resumed the bombing of Gaza. Before midday, at least 32 people had been reported killed. At least six were children. By the middle of the afternoon, that number rose to 60. By the time you hear this, that number will have increased again. The death and destruction wrought on the north of Gaza and Gaza City has pushed people into the south and the cities of Rafa and Khan Yunis. The resumption of fighting saw airstrikes in both of those cities. Israel are determined to continue, seemingly however far south it takes them, and the people of Gaza are running out of places to flee. This episode of The New Arab Voice was written and produced by me, Hugo Goodridge. Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The New Arab Voice will be back next week. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at The New Arab Voice, for additional content. We also have a weekly newsletter which you can sign up for. Find the link in the show notes. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And you can also rate and review which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news, analysis and opinion from the region.